Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Yeah, big warm welcome. If, if we haven't met before, my name's Graham, and uh, Alicia's right. It's good to know who's talking, so that's all you need to know about that. Um, we're in uh, part number five of Practicing the Way. We, at the start of this year, started really cast a vision for two or three years to talk about what would it actually mean to, like the Bible says, to take up that offer of Jesus, come follow me. In a lot of ways, the church or um, religion has sort of uh, pitched a different kind of vision. It's like, come and be religious or come and be pious. But Jesus never really said that. What he said was, come follow me and those who follow me, eternal life will flow through your veins. You know, that was his promise. So, but to follow him is not just like a head idea, like, oh, so you just think about that. It turned out all through the Gospels and even the New Testament, there are things that, that Paul, for example, said, um, put into practice the things that I have shown you. And for a lot of time, faith has been disbodied from practice so that it hasn't given people the ability to actually do, become, and and, and what was it? Be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. So that's what we've been talking about. And we've, I think we've got it up here. We've, got, we've gone through uh, the slides. Have you got that 12 practices? We've, had, we've talked about the scripture. We've talked about um, fellowship and community. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about emotional well-being down there. I was trying to find it. And we're at number five. We're going to talk about servanthood and generosity for two weeks. Jesus was amazing at this. Years and years ago, I heard a story which I had um, actually heard a similar one before as well. And I thought about it during the week and I tried to Google this story about someone who had huge wealth uh, pass away and, and, and leave it in their will uh, with a number of surprises. Anyway, I tried to Google it and Google is changing, like the optimization of Google and how this whole thing works. So I, um, I actually ended up uh, finding all sorts of things like you know, how to leave a will and how to talk to a lawyer about your wealth. And it was like, that's not what I was looking for. And actually, not only that, but before I could find the story, something else came up, which was a really weird story about a woman who left in her will, uh, an Italian woman who left in her will $13 million, uh, her whole estate, to a neighborhood cat. It's a true story. It's true. And uh, it's unbelievable. The cat was called Tommaso and had turned up on this woman's doorstep and just been a friend to this woman. And um, obviously no one else wanted to be her friend, which is a bit of a sad situation. And it turned out um, that the cat was legally left $13 million. And, and, and what's strange is, because that got my, I got like really distracted at this point now. <laughs> and it turns out she's only, the, it's, that cat was the only third richest animal in the world. Um, the second, second was a chimpanzee named Kalu, whose owner left him $80 million. True story. Person who left a chimpanzee $80 million. And that's nothing, though, compared to the top dog, um, Gunther IV, a German shepherd, who, was, who inherited $372 million from his owner. And, and the owner left nothing to the kids, just the dog. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, it's really great reading. Anyway, I got back, I did read at the end of... Um, 
Tommaso's uh, story about Tommaso, the, the, the $13 million care, I read at the end, quote, funnily enough, we've gotten a lot of emails, messages from candidates who want to adopt little Tommaso, <laughs> said the cat's lawyer. <laughs> like, how did the cat get a lawyer? <laughs> so good. Anyway, so I got back on track. I got focused again. And finally, I found the story I was looking for. In 2011, Ms. Perry, a New York nurse, she's a nurse, uh, was shocked when it was discovered that her employer, Ms. Clark, who died at 104 years old, left her entire estate to her worth $33 million. True story. When the media got hold of that story, they asked Ms. Perry for a statement. And it's a beautiful statement. And this is the statement. I was her private nurse for 20 years, but also her close friend. I knew her, she's speaking about the woman, uh, the nurses, as a kind and generous person with whom I shared many moments and whom I loved very much. See, a lot like the way of Jesus, people who live beyond just what's required and live beyond just what's in it for them leave an indelible mark on their world and in turn never seem to be left wanting themselves. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's a spiritual dynamic. Jesus was the ultimate servant. That's his entire mode. It still is, by the way. His heart today was so for you that it took you most of the service to even get into agreement that you are good, good. And maybe by the end of the service, you'll drive away going, oh no, actually he's really good. But he's always been good. Uh, I'm not sure what image you get when you think that word servant. Um, You probably think, like a lot of us, about a profession uh, or perhaps having to be a doormat for somebody. But that's not what it meant when Jesus said that he came to serve His disciples were just as confused as we get. Um, Jesus was beyond anything that they had personally understood about God, ever experienced. I mean, he just blew their socks off, you know. And everyone wanted to be around him. And um, he operated, you read it in the Gospels if you haven't read about Jesus. He's operating in supernatural ways, just creative ways. He's got this popularity, for lack of a better term, um, around him, especially when he started feeding people. Um, the, the undertone of the culture was there was a food shortage in that area in that time. So when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, the reason for the crowds, some people are there to hear the Messiah's teaching on life and other people are just there because they haven't had food in a long time. So you've got to get right into the culture to understand that. So that's probably the context those reasons for why the disciples began to have conversations with Jesus um, a little way into everything. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus, Matthew 20, with her sons, a mum, with two adult sons, um, James and John. And Jesus said, now, what is it that you want? And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine can sit at your right hand and your other at the left in your kingdom. Now, This is obviously a perspective they've got is that momentum is building and that they could really be in on it. They don't understand what the term kingdom actually means, but that's what they're asking for. Jesus answers, oh, you don't really know what you're asking. You know, I I just want to let you know. And Jesus said, "Can can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? And they replied, 
like incredulously, we can, we, we can do it. And Jesus said, well, you will drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left isn't actually for me to grant. Those places is actually for who has been prepared for by my father. So 10 others of the disciples, these 12 disciples, they start getting really itchy because they're thinking, flip, why didn't we ask for this? Probably. And then they get, break out into a little fight. And Jesus just goes, hey guys, you know that the Gentiles lord it over people, authority over people, and high officials exercise authority over individuals. But that's not our way, not so with you. Instead, whoever, because, because they just had this desire to be great like Jesus was, they, under, they misunderstood his greatness. But whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Or one translation says last. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for even people in New Zealand in 2022. Many. I mean, he's gracious in his answer, isn't he? But he's also to the point. He's not here to build a buzz. He's not here to get people voting for him. He's not creating a brand. No, he's actually there to give to such a degree that it will be giving of himself. To build, not tear down. To forgive, not to condemn. And Jesus is like so others-minded. He's just thinking about others all the time that he's regularly saying to his Father in heaven, it's recorded in the Gospels, not my will today, God, but yours be done. He's saying, I'm praying for them, precious Father, that they would be one. He rescues one man on an island that's demon-possessed and everyone's rejected him. He went all the way over ocean just for this one man. He, he noticed the horrible tax collector in a tree and goes to his house for dinner. He's so others-minded that he starts a revival by sharing with a woman at a well who's onto her sixth man. And the sixth man she's onto is that she's not even married to. When Jesus is on the cross giving his life away, he has the gumption to look and say this, Father, please forgive these men who nailed me here for they don't know what they're doing. He is so, such a servant. He's not thinking about what seat he's getting. See, this is not on his mind. They were on his mind. <laughs> People were on his mind. People were in his heart. And the question we might ask as his followers and, and, and those who confess to know him is, are people on our minds too? Because a lot of the time, the, simply, the answer is not so much. And the reason is a lot to do with self. A lot to do with self. Uh, we've got too much us and us. Jesus emptied himself, the Bible said, of himself. Self-centered? No. Self-agended? No. Selfish? No. That's the way of Jesus. To crucify ourself. He crucified, he was crucified, and Paul says we get to be crucified with him. Fortunately for us, it won't include an actual physical cross for the majority of us, but of heart and flesh, if you've been welcomed into this eternal life, you've also been welcomed into a crucifying of your flesh. This is gonna be viral, I just feel it. It's gonna go all over the social media. Great message today on our flesh being crucified. Just fantastic. There's three things that the Bible teaches us about servanthood 
about being others focused that are actually everything that we are actually looking for anyway. And I want to share them with you and you might be able to write them down and reference the scriptures. Maybe you want to do a study just to do a little bit of that flesh crucifying. But the first thing is the Bible teaches us about servanthood is that it heals our heart. Now, there's no doubt that, listen, the love and the blood of Jesus alone is the great turning key of history. It is the only way to be forgiven. You can't get brownie points. Even if you wanted to mow your neighbor's lawn, who does? You could not earn enough brownie points to get into heaven. So so you're never gonna make it into heaven without going through Jesus, knowing Jesus, okay? And so the blood of Jesus alone has destroyed sin and death. However, I've noticed in the reading of the scriptures and also in my life in practicum, that once that finished work of the blood of Jesus takes place and we put our faith in that, self needs to be carefully looked after and not in the way that we think. I'm gonna read you a crazy scripture. Are you ready for this? 2 Timothy 3 verse one. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the appearance, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but no power. We've just read pretty much our world and most of Netflix. (laughs) Not funny. It all starts, that passage, with lovers of themselves. Have you noticed a trend in the last five years? It's like self-love. We need a little bit of self-love. Did you you hear about people who were marrying themselves on the beach a couple of years back? And and they were trying to really accept themselves. And and maybe you're in the room and you did one of those ceremonies. And the only thing I can think is why you would have done one of those ceremonies is because for so long you've been at angst within yourself. But what we actually discover is self is not an answer to self. This is good stuff, by the way. Self is not the answer to self. Christ is the answer to self. So what you should have done is had a marriage ceremony with Jesus Christ. Okay, that's why we have baptism. That's, that's marrying Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're like, I'm taking myself and I'm putting myself into Him. And that's what begins to deal with some of those issues. But it starts with, you know, in, in the last days, people starts with lovers of themselves and it ends with this. There's, they're like godly, but no power. So what is it saying? That everything to do with ourselves is actually Godlessness. Get this. The essence of godlessness, being without God, is what? Self at the centre. For God is love. God is joy. God is peace. The Bible tells us this. God is righteous. No amens. God is holy. God has no guile or guilt in Him. So to be godly would mean to be these things. To be to be rooted in the love of God, in the peace of God, in the joy of God. That's what it would mean to be godly. We think godly means perfect and behaving perfectly. It's not, it's not actually the definition of it. 
So to be godly means that you're full of the love of God, full of the life of God, full of the joy <laughs> of God. He, 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 he. Say it after me. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. <laughs> Good. So what is, <laughs> what is godlessness? No joy. No he, 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 he. No ha, 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 ha. <laughs> None of that. No love. No peace. No righteousness. I'll give you another one I didn't list there. No freedom. Stuffy religiousness. No freedom, man. Um, Jordan Peterson, he's a popular psychologist at the moment. Listen to this. He was recently asked about what causes negative emotions the most. And he said this, more than any other factor, he said, quote, thoughts that are towards yourself, meaning self-thoughts, are very tightly tied to the experience of negative emotion. So it is literally the case that when you think about yourself, you are unhappy. Ha, 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 he, he, he. Seriously, when you're just thinking about yourself, many times these negative emotions, that's this is me now speaking, not Jordan, spiral even further, don't they? To depression, to anxiety, to anger, to rage. If you want a Bible study, side note, James 4, what causes quarrels and, and disruptance among you? You want something and you can't get it. James chapter four, you, self, want something and you, self, can't get it. And it goes on to say, but you haven't asked God. Ask Him. What causes fights? What causes murders? What causes the stuff? You, self. <laughs> it's quite light and fluffy, isn't it? I quite like it. But, but self is at the centre. Now, you and I, we get quoted Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit quite often and we can quote at least three of the seven, you know? Love, joy, peace, interpretation of tongues for the rest. You know, that's, that's how it goes, okay? But what we, don't, what we forget is the first part of the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the flesh. Let me quote it to you because you should remember it. So I say to you, let, your, let the Holy Spirit, not yourself, guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants for you. And the Spirit gives us desires, spiritual desires now, wow, that are the opposite of what our flesh wants, our sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly fighting, so there's friction. And you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you're, just, uh, when you're under the um, guide, guide of the flesh, but when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law. In other words, we're freed from religious constraint. Okay, listen to this. For when you follow desires of your sinful self-nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. So this is not sex that brings intimacy and not sex that actually builds love. This is sex that actually, like Ephesians 4 says, with a continual lust for more, becomes an angry monster, abusive and even demonic. Tell a joke. <laughs> I'm only on number one of the list. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, that's worshipping other things but God. Sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, arguments, jealousy, always feeling jealous of what others have got compared to what you've got. Um, outbursts of anger. Now watch this one. Selfish ambition. Dissension. So things are just in breakdown, like they're just, just totally divided. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life is not going to be able to inherit the abundant life of Jesus, the way of Jesus. You can't be led by your flesh and experience the deeper, more fulfilling, abundant life of Jesus. But, and this is the best thing, eh? the gospel is just, but the Holy Spirit (laughs) produces the kind of fruit in your life, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's simply not a law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have learnt to nail the passions and the desire of self, sinful nature, to his cross and crucify them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And, and actually, that's why the prodigal son story is so powerful in Luke 15, because it started with this, give me my inheritance. Everything went downhill. He was being led by the flesh. So he ended up in a pig's pen. And that's actually the mess he was in. But here's a question. What began to turn it around again? He started to think not of himself, but you read it, he thought of his father. And he began to think, man, if I could just be a servant in my father's house, there'll be food. And that was the catalyst, not thinking of self, but thinking of God and servant in the father's house, thinking of others. And the fastest thing that's going to unlock your life into a whole nother place of abundance is when we, I was going to say you, but I need to be included, when we stop thinking about ourselves and we start being led by the spirit of God. So Peterson concludes by saying, so what's the antidote to thinking of self? The answer is to, watch this, almost all the time, think about others. Almost all of the time, think about others. He says, for example, if you're married and you want to be happy, try making your wife happy. Almost all of the time. And then, kia ora, hey, 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 yeah. I, I agree. And then, amen, and, and happy wife, happy life, right? My wife said to me, it was actually, was it a faith statement last night as we were going to bed? And you just said, hey, good night. Thanks for being such a great husband. Was that faith or was that a reality comment? <laughs> faith, okay, sweet. She said it though, that was pretty cool. I, you know, when she said it, do you know what I thought? I thought, oh, I might just try and be a really good husband. Because that's what begins to happen when you're led by a totally different... Spirit and operation. Dang, the Word of God's good. Okay, sorry. So, what about your work? Do you hate your work? Do you feel obligate? Do you feel um, entitled? Do you feel like your employer isn't paying you enough and you're not getting enough? And do you feel like you're like being ripped off? And do you sort of feel like, man, I do way more than I'm recognised for? Okay, here's your option. You can keep going down that track, but it's really only going to end one way. Or you can flip it on its head and begin to be what? A servant and say, yeah, he totally pays me. Maybe he could pay me a bit more, but I'm going to be here for more than the money. I'm kingdom. I'm of the kingdom. That means I've got an opportunity here to do good, to be about others and to bless. Now, what's going to happen if you do that? Love, joy, peace, patience, You're not convinced. You're like, nah, that's not the way the world works. Not this world, but the kingdom world works like that. And your boss may not have love, joy, peace, patience, but at least you will. 
Thank you. Number two, the Bible teaches that servanthood carries grace. Don't miss this one. Carries grace from heaven. Now, this is more than just like doing good works and hopefully people will you know, tag me on Instagram. When Jesus said this in Matthew 20, he came to serve. He uses a Greek word, and that word serve literally means this. Are you ready? Minister, I think we've got it on the screen, administrator or minister of grace. It's not doormat. It's not slave. It's not just someone who cleans stuff. In the kingdom of God, which we've been included in, when you serve, so you're others-centered and you're being led by the Spirit, you didn't realize it, but you are administrating grace. What's grace? Favor, life of God. That's why when the Bible says it is more blessed to give than receive, do you know you feel great giving? Do you know why? Because grace is flowing. You feel fulfilled. I feel personally more fulfilled giving than I do receiving. I've learned the discipline, but what I didn't realize is that when I serve in the name of Jesus or I make a difference in the name of Jesus or when I become others-minded, I'm dis- distributing. I'm giving out. I'm, I'm, I'm handing out grace from heaven. This is what it says in Proverbs, that if you lend to the poor, the Lord will repay you for your good. What, what does that mean? It means that heaven is actually actively involved in what you do on earth. So, so, so when you're like, I'm going to make a meal, it's not just a casserole or a Cajun chicken dish or double downs. Are they still on, Jared? <laughs> anyway, it's not just that. You're like, you make a meal. But, don't, but what's that verse? That verse that says, don't you know that even as people have been hospitable to people, they were entertaining angels. They didn't know, but there were spiritual beings in that moment. And we don't want to become all weird about it, but you don't want to be under-empowered in it either. You actually want to recognise that every time you think beyond yourself, there's a flow, there's a river, there's grace. Why? Because you are now a minister of grace. may seem like a small thing to shout someone a coffee. may seem like a small thing to text someone and say, thank you so much might seem like a small thing just praying for someone when they come to mind or heart. It might seem like a small thing when you write a card and you post it away and you're blessed. It might seem like a small thing, but the Bible promises us you're an administrator of grace. You're giving away grace. Do you believe that? No, you should. You should totally believe that. That is what is going on. And then lastly, and the band can come, servanthood activates true greatness. So it heals us of self, keeps self-controlled, and it also um, causes an activation of the heavenly grace. It's what Jesus came to do, and heaven was here. And thirdly, it activates true greatness. Okay, finishing now. The question the disciples asked is important, and we ask it as well. They said, can we sit at your left and right? Now, what is at the root of that? You don't want to be missed out. You don't want to be forgotten. You want your life to count. You want to make sure what? I wrote it a different way. Um, who's going to take care of me? Okay, let's just call it for what it is because I think it is well. Okay, you know, what about my needs? Great question. I'm going to show you this and then I'm going to leave it with you to see what you think for the rest of the week. Philippians chapter two. Therefore, if you've got any encouragement from what Christ has done in your life, if you have any comfort from his love, 
If you've got any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, Paul says, complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind with each other in this body. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't do it out of vanity. Rather, out of humility, watch this, put value on others. That value them, even above yourself. Now you're like, okay, what about me though, Lord? Okay, watch. It, be like Jesus, have the same mindset as Jesus, verse five, who being in very nature God, did not consider his position, basically, equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of an administrator of grace, a servant, being made a human being in likeness and formed in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, being even obedient to death, even on a cross. Verse nine is your answer. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Gave them the name above every other name. The name that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth to the name of Jesus. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's the answer? Christ humbled Himself to serve. God exalted Him. Christ thought about others, thought about us, the world. Christ lifted Him up. See, there's two ways to do this life. One is think of yourself and what are you gonna end up with? Lower, lower, lower. But think of others and God's got you. God will provide your needs. Maybe the fact is, uh, what's that 2 Corinthians Scripture, Tim? Uh, that, that God provides seed to sowers, right? So as you begin to sow in generosity and sow in service and thank you, and sow in good works, it just begins to flow, flow, flow back to our lives. We don't know quite how it happens, but we know that God exalts the humble, gives grace to the humble, so that's the greatness God wants to bring into your life. So let me finish with these questions. Do you desire greatness in your life? Become an administrator of grace. Do you desire for greatness to be in your family? Administrate grace to your family. Do you desire for greatness to be in your marriage? humble, begin to serve. Oh, she's not meeting my needs, but he's not meeting my needs. You might need some input. You might need some counselling. I don't know why the heck people are so friggin' afraid of counselling. This gets up my goat so badly. Like, I see so, throughout the years, right, you talk to people, you're like, what, what happened? What's going on? Have you been to a counsellor? No. Sweet. Well, the marriage is obviously not worth, number one, 150 bucks, and two, a little bit of humility. Oh, we're not sure what to do. Of course you're not sure. That was quite a gripe, wasn't it? I do realise now as it's come out my mouth. It sounds a lot more positive in my head. But it's worth the question. Because who's going to humble themselves? Who's going to serve the greater purpose? Who's going to say, yeah, well, we're probably both at blame, really? Yeah, yeah, she's at blame, she's at blame, but I'm at blame too. So humility brings greatness. God exalts. 
Do, do you guys want greatness in your church community? Administer grace. All the different graces that you've got. Keegan's got a different grace to Tim. And Tim's got a different grace to Ari, right? He leaves toast in the toaster and forgets he's even made it. And she's like, why is the toast still in the flipping toaster? You, you, oh, I forgot about it. You know, different graces and stuff like that. That's what you get for being in our connect group. A little secret shed. Do you desire greatness in your world? Do you? Okay, cool. Build that great business. Build that great brand. Like do that great role. But just make sure you're administrating grace. Make sure it's serving. Make sure it's for a greater purpose. I need to close right now. For guys, this is the way of Jesus Christ. Celebrate others. Notice others. Offer to help. If someone's shifting, say, can I help you? Be generous. Listen. Smile. Cry with those who weep. Look after their kids. As long as you pass a police report. Look after their kids. (laughs) (laughs) Write a note to someone. I don't know why I did that. I looked back at a video of me speaking the other day to just see something I said and I was doing this all the time. It was like I was really... Shout them a coffee. Pray with them. Ask God to speak to you for them. Why not even lay down your life? For this is the way of Jesus Christ who came not to be served but to serve and to give His life as ransom for many. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.